And welcome to the Trade Records GovCon podcast, where we discuss current government contracting trends, compliance matters, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. I'm Brendan Halloran, a senior manager with Trey Beckert, and with me today are John Bula, a manager, and Chris Morris, a senior associate in Cherry Beckert's Government Contractor Advisory Services Group. As part of our continuing series on contractor business systems, today we will be talking about material management and accounting, or MMAS systems. Thanks for joining me today, John and Chris. Good to be here, Brendan. Thank you. Good, good afternoon. Great. Um, so first, uh, we'll get into some of the details around, you know, what is, um, you know, material management and accounting system and requirements and criteria. Uh, I know, you know, we've, you know, are pretty far along in our business system series, and we've talked about, you know, business systems that are, you know, more commonly apply, um, such as accounting, estimating, and purchasing. And, you know, one of the, you know, kind of nuances with MMAS is that it's really applicable, you know, in those, you know, manufacturing or uh, production environments where, you know, materials, um, you know, are utilized. And so, you know, a lot of um, contractors or, you know, some of our clients who may be more um, services focused, you know, this is one, um, you know, where they can kind of stay under the radar and not really um, have, you know, have this be applicable. Um, but it really is, um, you know, as we talk through um, together today, you know, you'll see that there's really just a lot of um, kind of interplay between systems and, you know, within the organization and functional areas to make MMAS work. Um, so again, you know, there are, um, you know, material um, requirements and standards that are part of cost accounting standards that um, that really do cover material and MMAS really takes it um, a step further to more of the kind of operational aspects of how a, uh, how a company runs that. So um, just to start off, uh, John, you know, can you, you know, talk to you a little bit, you know, about when, you know, when is, you know, MMAS going to be a requirement or something that, you know, an organization needs to be um, thinking about? Well, thank you, Brandon. And what is material management accounting system? Just briefly, um, we can say it's a system for planning, controlling, and accounting for the acquisition, use, issuance, and disposition of material. As Brennan mentioned, it's primarily geared more towards the manufacturing and production type organizations. Uh, so what do we mean when we say MMAS? You know, what are those types of acceptable areas we want to talk about? The compliance areas, the elements, the criteria, and so forth. So what we want to say about What's an acceptable MMAS is in a brief statement would be it reasonably forecasts material requirements that ensures cost of purchase type material is charged or allocated to a contract based on the time phase requirements we have and retains consistent equitable costing of material. And we want to have the contractor have adequate policies, procedures, and operate instructions that adequately describe its MMAS. So as we talk about this, we'll go through, as I mentioned, some of the, the high level elements, the more common elements of MMAS. And as we go through our podcast today, uh, we will talk about in more detail these areas. But to kick off, you know, certain areas we want to talk about 
from the introduction side, you know, an obligation of MMAS to contractors is to maintain an adequate and acceptable system uh, for cost reimbursement or fixed price progress payment contracts exceeding the simplified acquisition threshold. Uh, that and this does not pertain, and let's keep this in mind, does not pertain to small businesses, educational institutions, or nonprofits. So want to go through this particular system when a contractor has 40 million in sales in the preceding fiscal year, and the government risk assessment establishes an MMAS review is needed. So there's either one side you have the $40 million threshold, and the other side there might be a, a significant risk to have this particular audit done by the government. And again, this is not required, and, and exemptions do exist for small businesses, educational institutions, and nonprofits. Some of the MMAS elements may include a system description, which is an adequate system description we want to have within our policies, procedures, and operate instructions I mentioned earlier. And these must comply with the FAR and DFARS. Now, what's the compliance criteria? And we want to be briefly about, talk about this and say we want to ensure cost of purchase material or charge allocated to a contract are based on valid requirements, as I mentioned before, by certain percents. Now, the certain percents are high. And for an example, for bill material accuracy, you want to have a 98% accuracy for that particular area. For master production schedule accuracy, you want to have a 95% range. And these are goals in order to ensure that the requirements are both valid and time phased. So we want to continue on and say, you know, from a system standpoint, what's the criteria? We want to have a, a mechanism to identify within the ERP system a good report, good data to resolve any system control weaknesses. And uh, above all, we want to have a very good audit trail compliance. And this would provide audit trails and maintain records necessary to evaluate system logic and verify through transaction testing the systems operate as required. And getting more into the operational side of this, as far as physical inventories, transfers, cost of material transactions, inventory allocations, and commingled inventories. I mean, I'll talk briefly about these also. Now, as far as fiscal inventories, uh, contractors want to establish and maintain adequate levels of inventory by recording inventory for accuracy, as I mentioned before, with that 95% level. They want to make sure there's a reconciliation of recorded inventory quantities to fiscal inventory count by part number within a periodic basis, of course. Now we want to talk about transfers. You know, these are detailed descriptions that result in system-generated transfer of parts, you know, very simply. And cost of material transactions is one more element of the MMAS system. We want to have a consistent, or contractors want to have a consistent, equitable logic for costing of material transactions. Inventory allocations, another part of MMAS. I want to ensure that reallocations and credits are processed during the routine billing cycle. Inventories are retained for requirements under contract and allocated to those contracts. And to wrap this up, as we continue, I'll talk about commingled inventories, 
And what this means is we want to have adequate controls to ensure that physically commingled inventories that may include material for which contracts or costs or charges are allocated to cost allocated cost reimbursement, fixed price, and commercial contracts do not compromise requirements of any MMAS compliance criteria. So with that, I'll pass it back to Brendan. We can talk further about these and continue on with the MMAS system. Yeah, yeah, no, and thanks, Sean. That's a great uh, overview of some of the key, um, you know, key areas and, and requirements. I think one of the, you know, one of the, the key things with um, MMAS to, you know, think about is that, you know, you mentioned, you know, kind of the uh, regulatory um, threshold and requirements. And I think a big part of MMAS is really that, you know, either contracting officer uh, assessment, you know, typically, you know, in conjunction with the uh, auditor, you know, as to what is the, you know, to conduct that risk assessment in terms of, you know, is a review um, you know, warranted and, you know, and or required. And so, um, you know, because I, I know that um, over time I've seen where you have a, um, you know, potentially a large contractor that may have multiple sites and there's really only, you know, that production or manufacturing activity at um, certain uh, sites so that there's really, you know, there's not a need for um, you know, conducting any kind of surveillance or audit at all sites. It's really focused on, you know, where is that, um, you know, where is that uh, material uh, present, you know, as part of some of that contract work. And so with that, um, you know, Chris was um, kind of leading into, um, you know, what, you know, what does that review or, or in this case, uh, audit uh, look like um, if, you know, if a company is selected, they have the MMAS uh, requirement um, and they've, you know, been through the risk assessment. And so um, that that's something that needs to happen. Uh, Chris, you want to kind of talk about some of your experience with that? Sure. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks a lot for that as well, John. Just wanted to talk a little bit this afternoon about what activities or expectations can the um, contractor expect from DCA as far as their overall um, goals and responsibilities that they're looking to achieve, um, as well as what they will be doing, such as walkthroughs, initial planning stage, uh, the risk assessment, and ultimately testing. So with DCA, once the decision's been made, um, to perform an MMAS. Um, a few other goals we're going to be looking to obtain an understanding of the contractor's compliance with the DFARS criteria, as well as making the determination if the contractor is compliant with the MMAS criteria listed in DFARS. Uh, ultimately, they'll be doing some testing across the DFARS 10 criteria uh, with the extent of that testing based on the risk of each of those criterias. Um, and then ultimately the audit team, depending on the size of the contractor, will determine if samples um, or judgmental sample selections will be done uh, to meet or to test for the DFARS compliance. So those are some of the initial things that DCAA, the contractor, can expect from them. Um, ultimately, report uh, will identify, if necessary, any significant deficiencies and or any less severe significant deficiencies in compliance with the DFARS criteria. So that would be a more of an overall approach for DCA. Uh, one of the first things they would do prior to doing a risk assessment is have an initial planning meeting. You know, and that planning meeting will 
more than likely notify the POCs within the contractor of the upcoming audit. Uh, DCA will be looking to get an understanding of where locations of inventory and production facilities are, schedule any kickoff meetings, uh, identify any significant process and assess any risk at that time. Um, internally, DCA will look through their permanent files to see are there any prior audit results for MMAS, any recommendations or corrective action plans that needed to be implemented. For the larger companies, they also may do a walkthrough where DCA comes in and has the various areas that are affected by MMAS to provide a walkthrough. So that could be your finance group, your contracts group, uh, your engineering group, um, and then maybe even uh, your program management group. So DCA will be looking to kind of get an understanding of a walkthrough of those functions of what crosses over to MMAS. Ultimately, from there, uh, DCA will be looking to develop a risk assessment um, to guide them as far as um, what attributes to test and how much to test for. Um, and again, the risk assessment would be based on prior audit experience, um, any relevant aspects of the contractor's environment they found during the walkthrough, uh, any other identified factors that increase the risk of material noncompliance um, with laws and regulations. And then lastly, the audit team's understanding of relevant key internal controls related to MMAS. Um, and then based on that risk-based evaluation and testing approach, uh, we have the defined criteria requirements, as John had mentioned. Um, and I won't repeat those all again, but a few of those just include your bomb and your MPS accuracy, um, your inventory accuracy. Uh, part of those valid phase time requirements would also include um, loan paybacks, uh, which would be found under our material costing criteria seven. Um, and then also lastly, uh, periodic internal reviews. And speaking of periodic internal reviews, uh, we just kind of wanted to talk about how would a contractor prepare for a review by DCA for MMAS? First, we would look for the contractor to start um, to look at their internal review process and preparation. You know, are there already pre-established POCs for each relevant area for DCAA? Is there historical data from testing that's being tracked internally for as, as far as it relates to bomb accuracy, inventory accuracy, uh, maybe even cycle counts? These are some of the things that you would want to see or DCAA would want to see a log of to show we are periodically performing monitoring. And then just to wrap up any training, um, any training that's being done by the contractor to the various stakeholders internally that touch MMAAS, that will be helpful to keep those records. Um, and any training um, for any external stakeholders and or any reports that might be submitted up to management to let them know what these metrics are on a trendly basis. So those are just a few of the things that we will probably want to look for. Um, or can be expected as DCA moves into an MMAAS audit with a potential contractor. <clears throat> Thanks, so, Chris. That, mm -hmm. That's a, a great um, overview of you know kind of the you know process and and some of the the key areas. I think one of the um, things that we're seeing is that you know obviously as we've been saying, I think with all the uh, business systems, particularly those at DCA does auditing of is that, you know, their activity levels, you know, are certainly increased. And, you know, we actually are seeing clients 
where these you know MMAS uh, audit programs are are um, you know have been performed or are getting underway. You know, whereas you know they may not have had um, you know anything that intensive in in a number of years. So um, certainly, if you have that requirement, you know, being ready for it, that's uh, some great pointers there. Um, you know, one of the things too is, you know, just, you know, what is it, um, you know, I think that there's some very kind of immediate, you know, benefits, um, you know, with business systems and and your status. And, and we've talked through, you know, obviously there's certain um, very express requirements for accounting systems being approved as well as, you know, what will, um, you know, what are some of the benefits? And <clears throat> I think just, you know, one thing to highlight with, with MMAS is because it does touch on so many functions is that, you know, you know, it really does operationally, you know, help it facilitate efficiencies. You know, it does help, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, cost accounting standards certainly apply to a lot, um, you know, of treatment on, you know, material and direct costs. So there's certainly some crossover there and ensuring that you're compliant. And so, you know, just a couple of the areas that can really help, um, you know, just efficiencies for an organization, you know, it really helps you kind of have accurate material requirements, you know, um, better define, you know, what your, you know, warehouse space or, you know, what's needed for production. So there really are some very practical um, things that are <clears throat> benefits of, you know, kind of working towards these criteria. Um, just in terms of, you know, when we, you know, talk with, um, contractors about, you know, um, or see, you know, what are some of the, um, you know, what are some of the typical issues, John, that, uh, that folks encounter in terms of whether they're kind of just doing internal monitoring or if they're actually, you know, having a government review? No, thank you, Brendan. When we talk with, you know, various clients over the, over the course of years, there's been probably six to seven that I could say that stand out that are somewhat common, not just with Cherry Beckert's clients, but within industry itself uh, for this particular business system. And, you know, the top ones I, I would come to mind to me would be, there may be inaccurate bill materials from the engineering department. Uh, certainly that happens frequently. Uh, there may be engineering requisition issues. Uh, there may be purchase order revisions and inaccuracies that that's very common too if there's not internal control process for that uh, there could be shipping and receiving errors causing inaccurate inventory levels which is very critical uh, there may be inaccurate material inventory counts uh, as far as reconciliations uh, we see that also uh, there's inventory adjustments that are constantly ongoing uh, throughout the fiscal year for companies to keep track of. And of course, their ERP system, the data integrity of the ERP, ERP system is very important uh, as far as reporting. So uh, those are the top ones I would, I would say are the pitfalls of uh, this system for contractors uh, trying to implement this system, Brendan. Yeah, no, great points. And, um, and certainly things that, you know, some of those are um, you know, common threads in terms of documentation and, um, you know, internal controls across all systems, but, you know, certainly MMAS, you know, brings, um, you know, brings its own uh, unique uh, areas and uh, topics to cover. So I uh, really appreciate it. So I know that uh, certainly we could talk for hours about um, MMAS and, and all of the 
uh, things that uh, the companies need to take into consideration and um, you know approaches to kind of develop that um, you know develop that that system that really touches on a lot of functional areas but uh, you know we definitely at least scratched the uh, the surface today uh, John and Chris so appreciate um, all your input and and uh, detail and certainly if anyone has any um, you know any questions or you know has a particular um, MMAS need or requirement um, please feel free to you know reach out to us um, Chris John or myself um, again, thanks for uh, joining us and please uh, join us again for our next podcast.